Well, good morning. I am not Pastor Chris, just in case you didn't know, you know. My name is Greg, for those of you that don't know me, and uh, I get the privilege of talking to you this morning. Somebody asked me out there in the front, uh, are you nervous about talking in front of people? Absolutely not. I can get, get up and talk in front of people anytime, anywhere, and ramble. But what I'm nervous about is articulating what the Word of God is expressing. That's, that's the tough part. Can't say I'm not nervous, but it's not because of you guys. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to be in John chapter, uh, chapter 15, so grab a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, a couple of guys are passing them out. Raise your hand, they'll get one to you. It's great to follow along. Don't take my word for what the Bible says. Read it for yourself. So, uh, how was everybody's week? Just wonderful? Peachy? Easy? Life is busy. Yeah, I found myself uh, all week wanting to be able to, you know, find some time to study and prepare for this morning, and yeah, that wasn't there. And then uh, finally yesterday afternoon, I got to sit down and uh, study, and the whole week caught up with me. I ended up taking a nap for about two hours. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was glorious, let me tell you. So, uh, and then I studied after that, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. This could be uh, really simple, like a, you know, like a 10-minute devotional, probably not, uh, or it could be a, a mess, or it could be really long, I, I don't know. I've got, I got a whole bunch of notes here, um, I've got an idea of kind of what I want to talk about but most importantly, I want uh, all of us to, to hear from the Lord this morning from this passage. So let's start. We're going to read uh, John 15, verses 1 through 11. And this is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so, I ha- so have I loved you. Abide in my love." If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for these words that you spoke so so many years ago. And uh, we ask, Lord, that this morning we would understand what you were saying there what you're saying to your disciples, what you're saying to us today. And Lord, I pray that your word would settle into our hearts this morning and bear fruit. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you are familiar with this passage? 
a lot of us, if you've been around church at all, you've heard this over and over and over. It's, it's a very important um, section of scripture. But I, I got to admit, usually when I hear this taught, I come away feeling kind of bruised. You know, it's like, if you're not bearing fruit, you better look out, because here comes the father with the machete, and look out, he's going to cut you off. So will I be cut off? Will I be taken away? I, I start stressing about producing fruit. I got to have more fruit in my life. And, and uh, so those are the, all the thoughts that often come with hearing teaching on this, this scripture, and, and from very well-meaning individuals, don't get me wrong. And, and there's probably some truth to that. But my question is, was this a warning to the disciples? Bear fruit or else? I'm not convinced that that was the, the purpose uh, for these words that Jesus was speaking. So we're gonna take a little deeper dive and, uh, and consider several things. First of all, who was his audience? It was his disciples that had spent almost three years with him. You know, they'd, they ate together, they slept in the same place, they, they traveled together, they fished together, they, they got in trouble together, you know, with the religious leaders, you know, they, they did life together. But this was in John 14, you know, was, they were in the upper room having the Last Supper, and then at the end of John 14, it's like, let's go. So they're actually on the move here, and... Uh, and on, on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where, uh, where Jesus you know, was sweating drops of blood, he was so stressed about the cross, and then he was eventually arrested, tried, crucified. And uh, so he knew all of this was coming. He knew what lay ahead of him. And, uh, and so that's kind of the, the setting here they are walking from someplace in Jerusalem, some upper room, towards the Garden of Gethsemane, very possibly walking through the Kidron Valley, uh, quite possibly walking by vineyards. At the very least, could have been going by the temple where there were carvings of vines on the, on the pillars of the, the temple. So um, there's, there's a reason that Jesus used this imagery because it was right there in front of them very common. So, um, so that's the setting, the audience, the timing. Um, but now let's dig into it. So verse one says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So it's, it's important to know, he says, I am the true vine. So throughout scripture, Israel is often referred to as a vine. But here he says, I am the true vine, because... Jesus is the truth, and, and it's, it's really important to, to, to notice that, that you know, he, he was saying that you know, the life and fruitfulness is not going to be found in national identity as, as an Israeli. It's not going to be found in a religious system, in, in practicing Judaism, but life is rather going to be found in me. I am the true vine. So, and this is, uh, this is one of the famous I am statements of Jesus, which is worth a totally separate study, probably several, several weeks of studying that. But 
So, so what are the I am statements? Um, so Jesus said, I am, this is throughout uh, John and elsewhere, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then here he says, I am the true vine. So, but, but the, the common thing in each one of these is I am. As Jesus declared this, he was declaring the same thing that God the Father declared to Moses in Exodus, where Moses asked his name so he could tell Pharaoh who sent him, and God said, I am. So um, Jesus, in saying all of these, these statements, wasn't just saying, I am this, I am that, and blah, 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 but he was also declaring, I am God. And, and that, is, that is one of the reasons the religious leaders of the day couldn't stand him, because they thought he was speaking blasphemy, when actually he was just speaking the truth. So that, that should not be glossed over. Jesus is God. Jesus is God in the flesh, God incarnate, God as we can relate to him. So Jesus would say to us, what is it that you need? I am. Whatever you need, Jesus is the source of what you need. So, um, but then he says, uh, my father is the vine dresser, or uh, other translations say the husbandman basically the one that takes care of the vineyard. So the father is the one in charge, and he is the one that planted Jesus in this place. You know, even though it's, it's a complicated thing to think about sometimes because Jesus is God, and, you know, the Holy Spirit is God. You've got this, the, the Trinity. However, there's still three separate persons. So God the Father is the one who declared that Jesus should be on earth at this time. It's kind of a brain bender if you stop and think about it for a minute. But So the Father is the one in charge. He planted Jesus in this place at this time. And he is also the one that, via the cross, has grafted us into the vine. He's given us life in Jesus. So how many of you know anything about gardening? Me, just a little bit. Um, I come from a long line of gardeners. That doesn't mean I can do it very well. But, uh, but I remember growing up, my dad always talking about uh, living in Wenatchee and uh, around apple orchards. And, and I remember he ta- him talking about grafting in branches into the apple trees. And it's kind of a kind of a cool picture because we were without life by ourselves until we were grafted in to, to the true vine. And uh, I, I just like that picture. So, verse two, this is, this is really kind of the nuts and bolts of, of what I want to talk about today. Uh, we'll get to the other verses as well. But verse two says, every branch in me, note that it says in me, So he's speaking to those that are in the vine. He's speaking to Christians. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, note that, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, 
note that, that it may bear more fruit. First thing I want to do is take a look at fruit. So let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Talks a little bit about fruit. We're going to start in verse 16. I'm just going to read a chunk here. It's just going to give you a little bit of a picture of what I'm talking about when I talk about fruit. And uh, it talks about you know, the, the product of the flesh, but then it talks about spiritual fruit. Verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned, warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So the reason I read all of that is because it's important, important for us to understand what fruit he is talking about here in, in John 15. He's talking about love, joy, peace, patience, all of these things that, that actually don't happen naturally in ourselves. You know, we, we're not patient with our spouses and our kids, are we? Are you? Am I the only one? <laughs> no, we're not. Not naturally. But if we're, if we're immersed in the things of the Lord, suddenly be, patience becomes a little bit easier. Being joyful in every circumstance, that doesn't happen naturally. But if you're walking with the Lord, his joy is deep inside you. And it doesn't matter what your circumstance is, you still got that joy, that 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 strength from just knowing that the Lord loves you, he's got a plan for you, you've got a purpose and a hope, a future and a hope, no matter how bad things are here on earth. So, I mean, that's the kind of fruit that we're talking about here. So, but there were two, two words or two phrases I wanted you to uh, note here. One a branch that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. So let's jump into that. First of all, I don't want to take this for granted that you know this. Most of you probably do, but the New Testament was not written in English. It was written in Greek. And uh, I, don't, I don't want to gloss over it and just say, in the Greek it means such and such. I just want to remind you, hey, the original language is Greek. So we want to take a look at that. How many of you live in a house that's bilingual? I do too. Not that I'm bilingual, but my wife is bilingual. Uh, English is her second language. And one thing you can be certain of is 
when I say something in English, I know what I mean. She doesn't hear exactly what I mean necessarily because of her understanding of English. Or she's processing something in Finnish and then speaks it out in English and it doesn't translate well. And you're like, what? What was that? In fact, uh, one of our daughters has a whole list recorded on her phone of all of these funny things that my wife has said that don't translate well from Finnish. <laughs> so anyway, um, all that to say is it's really important to look at what the, the original language says here when we're, when we're trying to understand scripture. Not that we have to be Greek scholars, not that we have to be Hebrew scholars for the Old Testament, but, but we can look at things. There's all kinds of tools available. You go to Blue Letter Bible uh, on your phone and, and you look at it. You can look at the interlinear. You can see what Greek words were used here. You can click on them. You see how they're used. And, uh, and so that's what I did. And you know, I've looked at some commentaries and things that talk about this passage. But the, the word there for takeaway is a Greek word called iro. So um, it, it's an interesting word. It can be translated takes away. I didn't print this out very big, so bear with me a second. But take away is found in the third definition of that word. So... So, but to be fair, it can be translated this way. So I'm just going to read everything that's included in the third definition. It says, to bear away what has been raised, carry off, to move from its place, to take off or away, to remove, to carry off, to carry away with one, to appropriate what is taken, to, to take away from another what is his or what is committed to him, to take by force, to take from among the living, either by natural death or by violence. All of those sound pretty harsh. And that's, that's the typical translation that's used in, uh, in most English versions of the Bible. But let's look at the second definition. The second definition says, to take upon oneself and carry what has been raised up, or to bear. And the first definition is to raise up, elevate, lift up, to raise from the ground, take up, to raise upwards and elevate. So that's kind of interesting, isn't it? So I don't want to read too much into this because there's a lot of you know, godly men and women that have been involved in translating the Bible into English, but I can't help but wonder if maybe they didn't get the full picture of what Jesus was trying to say here. So it could say that every branch that does not bear fruit, he lifts up or he bears the burden of. So let's look at the next word. It says every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Well, prune. If you've been around a garden, what? Okay, when I was in college, I had, uh, I was trying to work some miscellaneous jobs, work study and all of that. None of them paid anything. I mean, it was, it was pathetic. And it was like, why am I spending all my time doing this? I'm, I'm not making it enough to make a dent in my college bills. But anyway, uh, one of the jobs that I had one February was going out on the weekend 
in the middle of this huge field of blueberry bushes and pruning them. And a set of clippers and some gloves and just pruning away the little dead branches and things. So when spring came, they'd be more fruitful. But it was cutting. It was lopping off stuff. And, uh, and I, so that's what I always think of when I look at this. But let's look at the Greek word. The Greek word is kathairo. So, kathairo, in biblical usage, actually means to cleanse of filth or impurity, but can also mean to prune trees and vines from useless shoots. So I think the two definitions kind of go hand in hand. It's a, it's a cleansing process, but it's also a cutting away of the, the dead, useless things. And kathairo comes from the, the root word of katharos, which is the state of being free from corrupt desire and from sin and guilt. So this creates a, a really interesting picture, I think. So we could read it. If I go back to my other page here, we could read it something like this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. And every branch that does bear fruit, he cleanses that it may bear more fruit. Food for thought, huh? All right, let's keep moving on. Oh, the other thing to note is uh, kathairo is the same Greek word that was used uh, where uh, Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples. So it's kind of interesting. All right, verse 3 says, Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. I find this interesting because I, for those that have heard, for those of you, sorry, I get, my brain goes too fast. For those of you that have heard me speak, you've heard me say that growing up, I was a closet legalist. I thought that my position was God, uh, with God was contingent upon my behavior, my actions, and I had to earn continually right standing with God. And I'm sure we all kind of default to that in one way or another. That's actually not what the Bible teaches. We have been crucified with Christ, Romans 6, and the life that we now live is from Jesus Christ. He has imputed his righteousness to us. We are positionally as righteous as we could ever be. When God the Father looks at you, if you've given your life to the Lord, when he looks at you, he doesn't see all your imperfections and failures and everything you said wrong today or this past week. What he sees is the righteousness of Christ. That is good news. Amen? So he says here in verse 3, already you are clean. That's amazing. And he's, he said, you're clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. First of all, Jesus is the word. He is the word of God. Refer to John chapter 1. And second, we are washed by the water of the word. There's a couple of examples for this. In Ephesians 5, um, 
Paul talks about uh, husbands washing their wives by the water of the word, just like pouring the, the word into, into your wife. And, and, uh, and there's great fruit that comes from that. But also, if you go back to Psalm 119, verse 9, um, the psalmist poses the question, you know, how shall a young man keep his way clean? And then the answer comes right on the heels of that. says, by taking heed to, to your word, God, and you know, applying the word in your life. That's what, what uh, con- continually cleanses your life. We need to be students of God's word. Allow his word to be the authority in our lives. Not our friends, not our family, not our feelings, but all right, what's God's word say? How, how should I do this? And then pray through it and ask the Lord to apply that in your lives. So, verse four, John 15, four. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This is just logic. I mean, if I have an apple tree in the backyard and I want fresh apples in my house, what do I do? Probably go outside, take the biggest branch, cut it off, drag it in the house, set it there, and wait for it to give me fruit, right? That works, huh? I mean, come on. That would be so easy. No, you tend to the tree, and you make sure that uh, the tree's got enough sunlight, you make sure it's getting water, and, and, uh, and just wait. And then the, the fruit appears. And in the right time, you go out there and pick it, and it's a nice, sweet, juicy apple, or maybe a tart apple, whatever you prefer. Make some apple pies. Um, I'm getting hungry. So the point there is the branch cannot bear fruit if it's not plugged into the vine, if it's not attached. You can't bear fruit in your life without being attached to Jesus. There's a closeness that has to happen there. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I already referred to Romans 6, says that we are dead. So is any branch that's not, you know, connected to the vine. But we have been crucified with Christ and the life that we live is from Jesus, the vine, because we've been grafted into that vine. Don't worry, I'm gonna pull a string here in a little bit and pull all this together. But Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, and he, uh, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Okay, here's the bad news. I don't have another way to translate this. This is pretty cut and dried, and, and it's a heavy word. I'll admit it. But if we have not submitted our lives to the Lord, we have no hope except to be dead branches that are gathered up to be thrown in the fire. So if that's you, if you haven't given your life to the Lord, I want you to hear that. I would be remiss in my duties if I didn't say that. There is no hope that your good works will outweigh your bad works so you can just squeak by and make it into heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. 
Jesus is the only way. So if that's for you, listen. Submit your life to the Lord. Accept his salvation. Amen? Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So what does it look like to abide in him? Well, I think it starts with just cultivating the relationship with the Lord. First of all, I mean, you've been, you've been grafted in. We've, we've, got, we've gone over that. We are attached to the vine. So that's salvation. But then cultivate, cultivate the relationship with the Lord. Be in the word. Like I said, Psalm 119. Oh, another verse from Psalm 119, 111. It says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know, be in the word. Spend time with the Lord, studying what he has to say, and let that bear fruit in your life. And you'll find that as you're feeding your spirit with the things of the Lord, suddenly the fleshly ugliness that wants to creep in just doesn't happen as much because your focus is on the things of the Lord. And he's doing a work in your heart. Be in fellowship. Be around other Christians. Go to church. Be at Bible studies. Surround yourself with people that are going to point you closer to the Lord. And prayer. Prayer is just communicating with God. Saying, I mean, it can be as simple as saying, Lord, I'm facing this, this tough thing at work, and I, I, I pray that you give me wisdom. Help me to know what to do. Help me to react as you would want me to react. Guard my tongue, Lord. And just, just communicate. All right. Verse 8 is the why. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So the end game is not for our, necessarily for our own personal benefit. Absolutely, we will benefit from this, this life of abiding in Christ. But the end game is that God would be glorified. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite passages. But we're going to look at one, two verses. Ephesians chapter 2, um, let's start with verse 6. He's talking about, you know, how much God has done for us. But he in verse 6, he says, And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So as we bear fruit and we're living this, this abundant life in Christ, we become this example that he says, look, this is, this is how much I love my people. Look at, you know, Jordan. He once was this, but now there's fruit in his life. And, and you know, any one of us, the same thing. So that, that's the goal is we, we want to live lives that are going to uh, bring, bring fruit and ultimately give glory to, to the Lord. Okay, verse 9, 10, and 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. 
so these three verses give us, I, I think, a glimpse into Jesus's purposes. Jesus's purpose in speaking these verses into his disciples' lives. So, as I said before, he knew he was about to be crucified. He knew that he was going to going to be leaving Earth. His his time was just about done. And he wanted to encourage his disciples, not threaten them. So I, I think we, we want to look at this passage through that framework. So with that, I want to review the picture that has been painted here a little bit. So Jesus is the vine. We established that repeatedly. And we are the branches. We also established that. But... As branches, we are either dead branches laying on the ground separated from the vine or we're part of the vine, connected to the vine, getting nutrients from the vine and and growing. So if you are one of those dead branches on the ground, not connected to the vine, like I said, this is a fearful passage and it's it's without hope. And... uh, but I want to give you the good news. There is hope today. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord, I, I believe. I believe that you died in my place, took the punishment for my sins, and I want to follow you. It's really that simple. And then you are connected to the vine, and there is hope. Amen? It's really that simple. So even though it sounds harsh... The solution is really simple. So, But if you are a branch that's connected into the vine, and this is really kind of the crux of, of what I wanted to talk about, the Father desires a fruitful life for us in him. So if we are not fruitful, perhaps there are things that are weighing us down. Perhaps we're a branch that, uh, that is covered with dirt and mud, malnourished, kind of trampled by the goats that are wandering through the, the vineyard. You know, I think it's really important to understand that, you know, when, we're, when Jesus was walking through the Kidron Valley and, and, you know, just all of Israel at that time, you didn't have these neat vineyards with these perfect rows with, you know, whatever the, the structure is that they tie all the vines up to. That wasn't how they grew grapes, most often, they let the, the, the vines kind of meander on the ground. So um, it's, it's a little different picture than driving through the Willamette Valley through wine country. So it, it was not uncommon for, for some branches to be laying down on the ground, even, even fruitful branches. So it's not uncommon for us as healthy branches to end up laying down in the mud, getting covered up. We need attention from the, from the vine dresser. So he comes along. Here's another picture of what would often happen in that style of growing grapes. The vine dresser would come along, find those branches that were laying on the, on the ground, and uh, pick them up and grab a rock and put underneath it and set the branch on the rock. Kind of a cool picture, isn't it? 
Jesus is our rock. Not only is he the vine, he is our rock. So, so the Father lifts us up and sets us down on the solid ground, which is Jesus Christ. And then he washes us, makes us clean, gets all the mud and dirt and grime from the world, gets that off of us. Just like when he was washing his disciples' feet, you know, uh, Peter said, what, if you're going to wash my feet, give me a whole bath. I mean, bathe all of me. And he was like, no, you don't need that. You're already clean. Just need to wash your feet. We are already clean. If we have put our, G- our trust in Jesus Christ, we are already clean. We are as righteous as we can ever be. But we pick up a little dirt along the way. We need our feet washed. Or back to the picture of the branch, we need the, the mud washed off of the leaves so we can take in the nutrients from the sun. But there's also a, a pruning. There's a trimming. There's, there's some, anyone who has worked around, you know, uh, fruit trees or, or bushes or vines or anything, you know that there's certain shoots that are, that are actually, they look really healthy, but they're not, they're not, you know, ever going to bear fruit and they're sucking the life away from the part of the plant that is, uh, that is uh, supposed to bear fruit. So in our own lives, there are certain things the Lord will come through carefully and cut away so we can be even healthier. So I think that's the picture that can be painted very easily here from this passage. And it's really encouraging because that is, that is a picture of what the Father does as we stay plugged in abiding in Christ and submitted to him and allow him to do work in our lives. This should not be a fearful passage. Should not be what I took it as for so many years. It's like, I better make sure I'm bearing fruit. I mean, how many times do you walk through, walk through an orchard and walk by a fruit tree and hear it going, must bear fruit? No, the fruit tree just sits there Soaking in the nutrients from the soil, enjoying the sun and the, and the rain, and just naturally produces fruit because it's healthy. We don't have to strain to pr- produce fruit. We simply have to abide in Christ. Amen? So here are my questions for you today. First of all, I already asked this a couple of times, are you a part of the vine? Have you given your life to Christ? This is absolutely paramount. Your good works will never outweigh your bad works. But if you're part of the vine, you're like, I am a Christian. I, I've, I gave my life to the Lord X number of years ago, and I am a Christian. But are you feeling unfruitful? Are you feeling weighed down? Are you feeling unfocused? Knowing you should be fruitful for the Lord, but... So many other things weighing you down, distracting you, uh, preventing you from being fruitful. So what's the answer? Go to the Father. Say, Lord, this is how I'm feeling. I need your work in my life. I, I know these things. That, yeah, I picked up this dirt from the world. I need you to wash me. I need you to prop me up, set me back on the, the solid rock. I need you to, to trim away the, the things that are that are not good in my life or, or just 
not focused, the things that are distracting me from what you want me to be, and, uh, and allow him to do that. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and make you really uncomfortable. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here, and uh, I'm just going to have them play a little music in the background here. But as, as we consider this passage of Scripture, I want you to, to just think of those questions that I'm asking you. And gather with two or three people around you, and I, I want you guys to pray together. There's, there's such great work that's done when we just pray with one another. Just lift each other's burdens up and... Uh, and uh, it's uncomfortable. And it's, it's like, I don't know what to say. Don't worry about it. You're praying to God. You're not praying to your neighbor. But, uh, but uh, please, pray for another. Just small groups, two, three, four, five, something like that. And, uh, and just lift each other up in prayer. If there's something you, you know, that's really heavy on your heart, ask those around you to pray with you. Otherwise, just cry out to the Lord and lift each other up. We'll spend, you know, four or five minutes doing that, and then we'll close in another song. So, ready? Go. Lord, we just want to thank you for this morning. It's time to just pause and consider your word and worship you. And Lord, I I just pray that uh, you would just cover over anything that I misspoke. Lord, I pray that the truth of your word would take root in our hearts and our lives and it would bear fruit. Lord, I pray that each of us this week would find ourselves endeavoring to just stay connected to you and to allow you to breathe new life into us and to to cause fruit to, to occur, not with us straining and striving, but just simply abiding, Lord. So I'll ask you, go go before us, be with us this week. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.